I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I am great. I'm tired. It is. It has definitely been a day. A um, lot of work today, but I am really good. Good, good. A lot of exciting things coming up for you. Um, you doing okay? I am. Lots of processing. Destiny is having her gender reveal this weekend for her baby. That's I'm exciting. super excited. Yes, I can't wait. Um, and Jebediah is going next weekend. He leaves for boot camp. And Cameron turns 12 tomorrow. Wow. You have one more year of a preteen. I know. It's crazy. Wow. It's crazy. It's been a very, very busy week of planning so far. (laughs) Well, happy birthday, Cameron. I would sing, but I'm not a great singer. But happy birthday. Um, How sweet. So. Yeah. That'll be good. Um, so, topic tonight. Um, I know you suggested one. What do you What do you think? Will you want to start us out? Yeah, yeah. So, in one of the meetings that I was attending this evening, um, someone said, and and this is a quote directly from them. I they said, to explain is to attempt to control someone else's response. Let me say that one more time. To explain or to give an explanation as to why I did or said whatever I did or said, to explain is an attempt to control someone else's response. Okay, can you elaborate on that? Like, what do you mean? Can you... Yeah, so... When I explain to someone why I did what I did or why I said what I said, the reason I am explaining it, right, is because I I don't want them to feel something or I do want them to feel something, right? So if I explain to you why I'm going to be late for work, I'm going to be late for work because my stomach hurts and I overslept and I was up all night. I don't want you to be angry at me, right? Mm Mm-hmm. If I explain to you that I didn't do my homework because I left my backpack at school, it's because I don't want you to be angry at me. If I'm trying to think, if I explain to you that I want a diamond necklace on my cruise, it's because I want you to be excited for me. Maybe I just tell you that I went on a cruise. And if you're excited for me, that's great. Or maybe I just say, hey, I'm going to be late. And if you're angry, you're angry. Whether or not it is healthy or unhealthy, not what I'm debating at this moment, but to explain why I did or said what I did or said is an attempt 
to manipulate and or control someone else's response. If I don't care about your response or how you feel about what I'm doing, then I'm not going to give you an explanation. So what like, you... Go ahead, go ahead. Like, I, I was going to say, like, like, if I'm due to meet some stranger at some time, right, I'm supposed to be... I don't know. I can't think of an example. Of well, the I can. I can. No. No is a complete sentence. Yes, correct. I don't need to tell you. No, I can't go because Colin, you know, tripped over... Um, a log and he stubbed his toe and I need to be here to massage it obviously I'm exaggerating 100% but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that's an example of that because I'm saying no and I don't want you to be bad at me because I said no or that I can't go somewhere right so I'm explaining it yep so let's put this in another context right let's say um Someone hires me and says, hey, uh, if you clean my car, I'll pay you 30 bucks. Or give you candy. <laughs> we got that story too, right? If you clean my car. Hey, will you- so this is actual story, right? This is a great, I'm glad that. So my daughter and my son came up with this thing. I got home from work one day and my daughter was cleaning my son's car. She was in the car, vacuuming it with a toothbrush in the crevices, wiping the whole thing. And she had the brush for washing the outside, the hose. Like she was doing an inside out polish wax, amazing job on this car. I mean, $50 job all day long, right? If you go take your car somewhere and have them wash the inside and outside of it, and it's a really right good job, it's going to be 50 bucks, if not more, all day. And the way that he got her to do this car wash is that he said, hey, if you wash my car, I'll give you all the candy that's in it. Well, so she was like, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. She, she thought this was going to be a lot of candy. Hey, if you wash my car, I'll give you all the candy. She thought it was a bunch of candy. She's out there doing an amazing job on her car, on his car. I get home from work. She tells me the story about how she's washing the car for the candy in it. And I go to him and I say, hey, you giving your sister some candy? And he's like, oh, yeah, super proud of himself, right? He's getting an amazing deal. I, I told her I would give her all the candy in my car if she washed my car. And I went, oh, my, my head, I'm like, wait a minute. He's a little too excited about how much candy are you giving her? And he shows me how much candy he's giving her. And it's nothing like if 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 I am being nice, it might have been five, maybe $8 <laughs> worth of candy. And that's really being nice. Uh, um, so I go to her. First, I tell him how, I guess I would say how disappointed I was. And he just didn't, it just didn't hit home for him. He was just not getting it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not taking advantage I offered a job. She accepted the job. That's on her. And so I went out and I explained to her that it would cost $50 to do what she is doing. And 
the amount of candy that he is giving her is approximately five or eight dollars. And she processed this information. I made sure she understood. I explained it. I asked some questions. She took some time. She processed. She chose to continue washing his car anyways. At first, he was taking advantage of her. However, she knew what, right, at this point, she knew what she had gotten into, and she had to make a choice. Either she could stand up for herself if she felt like she needed to, if she felt she was taking advantage of, she could stand up for herself and she could say, whoa, I am not doing this. This is not okay. I don't want to clean your car anymore. I'm stopping right here. I'm done. She chose to finish cleaning the car. She goes through head to toe, front to back, inside and out. It took her all evening, probably close to four hours, maybe even a shade longer. Her father even went out and helped her because he felt bad for her. Um, then the next morning, she is very upset. She wants to go in and make her brother pay her the additional money that she felt she was owed for this job that she just did. And at that point, the answer was no, right? You can't, you can't make him pay you for a $50 job when you agreed to be paid $10 for that job. At first, you can stand up for yourself and say, I'm being taken advantage of, I'm not going to do this. But once I've already done the work, I can't then go back and say, wait a minute, you need to make this right. So the next morning, she, she gets up and she's angry because she feels as though she wasn't paid correctly. So she goes into him and she says, I want you to pay me the $50 that you were supposed to give me for this job. And he just said no. And oh, nothing else. He didn't, no explanation, no justification, just no. Because frankly, he didn't give a crap at that point what she thought. She had already completed the job. It was already done. He doesn't care about her feelings. No explanation from him. Her, on the other hand, who has a lot of worry and a lot of care about what he thinks, then goes into right away, well, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I, and explaining all of the reasons why he needs to give her more money. That right there is the difference in no explanation, therefore, clearly, I don't care what you think, and explanation after explanation after explanation in an attempt to control, an attempt to change someone's opinion and get what she wanted i'm thinking about this from an aspect of like i've always been an over explainer i've always um whether it's an over explaining or an over share or an over right i'm a great codependent so everything has been extremes but um me too <laughs> so over explaining why what is it about that why do we do it so for me i started doing it because I was afraid of other people's feelings. Same. And the reason that I felt like over explaining, I think 
I think the reason I felt like over-explaining was the resolution to their, that fear was if I could hurry up and tell them why I think what I think, then they'll agree with me or they won't be angry at me. I have... Because when I was... When I was a kid. Yeah. Right? Right. That, that's where it all comes from, is from when I was little, if I needed to say what I thought or felt, I needed to hurry up and I better have a reason for it. And it better be a damn good reason for speaking up. Yes. For me, it's always been this, and I know the root cause, the root thought and the root feelings behind it now, obviously with a lot of recovery work of not being good enough. And not feeling, not being um, validated, or honestly being right, being gaslit by by my parents and by adults in my life, that I couldn't feel my own feelings. Like my feelings, my own personal thoughts and opinions and feelings were not good enough, were not justified, were not um, validated. So I always have had to. I don't want to use the word always, right? I don't like that word. I don't like always or never, but. A significant amount of the time I've had to kind of come to follow up anything with justifying my feelings to prove that I was enough. I was right that I mattered that I my that I what's the word I'm looking for? I I was just enough. I was so worried about being I've always been so worried about being wrong that it was, I would just over explain. And I still do it. Even in work, I do it. Yeah, I see, I, I over explain a lot. Um, I over explain in justifying why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I over explain when I'm telling a story. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I'm not quite sure if they're related to each other. I, I feel like... There's some sort of, when I get a chance to talk, I need to talk as much as I possibly can because I may not get another chance to get it out. So were you heard as a child? No. Exactly. Me either. That's what I no. think that's what I was saying. It was like, I've never been listened to or valued for what I was, what I was saying. So I always have had to just dump as fast as I can. Yes. And what I was saying had damn sure better mean something yep. and have justification, right? Children are to be seen, not heard. Yes. And we are not to speak out of turn. So if I am being heard, then by being heard, I'm speaking out of turn. I damn well better have just good justification for it. That's how it was growing up in my house. So, yeah. And that's really just followed through in my entire life, right? Well, and I mean, let's look at it. I I've spent... Right, I was with an alcoholic for many years. Nick was an addict and an alcoholic, is an addict and an alcoholic, sober now, yes. But for many years, that addict mentality and that need to justify, like, I remember times that I would come home from work 15 minutes late and I would need to justify why I was 15 minutes late and traffic was not a good enough justification. And if I didn't have a good justification, we would fight. That's how it was for many, many years. And after growing up in a home where I was to be seen and not heard, and if I was going to be heard, I'd better damn well be worth it. And then being in that kind of a situation as well, it has taken a lot 
for me to get to a point where I will say, I can't do that today, sorry. Or I don't have the bandwidth for that. That has become my number one no. Mm -hmm. I still can't just say no. I still, to this day, two and a half years in recovery, as hard as I work on it, as much as I focus on it, I am still unable to just say no. My good, healthy compromise that I am able to say is I don't have the bandwidth for that. Because who can argue with that? Right. And bandwidth could be anything. It could be energy. It could be thoughts. It could be money. It could be time. It could be anything. I just don't have the bandwidth for that. I'm sorry. And that's as much, that's as close to a simple no as I can get to this day. And that is not easy. That's taken a lot to be able to get there. So let me ask you this. If, is that from a from a verbal standpoint or is that from a texting standpoint? Can you do it via text? Let me ask you that. Um, it's, it's easier via text, but it is still not easy. So I find... Right? So go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, so text is easier. Like, it's much easier than in person. If somebody is face-to-face and asks me a question, the likelihood that I can say no, very, very, very low. Um, I struggle to say I don't have the bandwidth. If you're on the phone, it's mm, a little easier. If you're in text, it's more likely email. I will just not respond until I've had time to do it. Right, right. So I do that with texting as well. Um, I I agree with you. So it it is still something. It's I'm I'm a work in progress. So it's something I still work on. Um, in text, a lot of so one of the things I tell my sponsees early on is I don't have to respond to you. Right? I don't have to. I don't have to do anything. I don't want to do. So just because and. And, and that's part of that process is also helping them to realize that people don't have to respond. I can take a moment. I can do what I need to do. It always catches them off guard when I don't respond. And most people get their feelings get hurt, right? It's like, oh, they don't like she doesn't. I don't matter. She doesn't like me. What did I do wrong? But when I when I will say no to someone, I still want to I still tend to to like I'm typing it out I'll be like no I can't because that and then I catch myself like three words in and then I erase it and I leave it as no I can't see I still haven't gotten to the point of catching myself yet oh okay okay and and it's I almost don't know so I catch myself doing it but it's not to the point of no I can't I'll be like, no, I have to do this and 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 then I got to do this and then maybe tomorrow and I'll delete all of that and I'll type out, I don't have the bandwidth today, check back next week. Well, okay, so I don't think that's a bad, I mean, okay, I don't want to say. It's improvement. Right? You caught yourself. You can't say you didn't catch yourself because you did. You didn't hit send. Correct. I'm just not at the point yet where I can just say no. It's taken a lot. Yeah. And I, I mean, it is hard. It is, it's very hard. I mean, I intentionally practice it with people that I can with my mom, my kids. I do. I try to do it at work. I try, you know, I, do I was it. just going to ask about work. I was literally just going to ask you if you were able to do it at work. 
I do, it, it's a little bit hard, like it's a little bit harder because there is that mindset, this is my job and I can't tell you no because my pay <laughs> relies on it and I really like my paycheck. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing this shit for free. Right. But I'm working on that. Like I'm, tr and where I'm trying to, instead of just being no, I won't do it. Like I won't just say no. What right. I'll do is... I will say, I will get to the, um, I'll get to that shortly. Or I'll say, I'm in the middle of something right now. I will get, you know, I'll, I'll come back to this. Or, right, something to that effect where I'm not saying no, because again, I just don't, I, you know, I do value my job. And so I want it to be sometimes I'm like, right, I want to acknowledge that I saw it. But I can't do right. it right now. So I, I have tried, I found a way to word it a little bit differently at work. So it's not so abrasive. Yes. And I've found with work, what I do is I'll say, how soon do you need this? Because I'll be able to get it to you by XYZ day. Right. See, there's ways, kind, of, and I think that's a good point, right? When we say no is a complete sentence, we're not saying being harsh. Right, we're not saying like, like when I say no, I can't. To me, that is not as harsh as just no. Right. But no and no, I can't are the same things. They just sound a little bit different. They come across a little bit differently. Right. I'm just and, not and adding that crap in afterwards. Right. Well, and and even to say like, hey, can you go do this for me? Uh, how soon do you need it? Because I can't do it until Friday. Right. Because, or because there do you is... need it before Friday? Because I, I can get to it on Friday. Yeah. I can do it Friday, but not today. Because there are things, like most things, I would be open. I'm always, you know, I'm pretty open to helping people out. Or do, if I can do something for you and it doesn't go against my morals and values and it doesn't interfere with my own healthy place i'm pretty right. i'm really i'm i'm willing to do um to do a lot just about yeah just about anything people need usually. exactly the and i think there's what you're saying is like what i'm doing i'm saying i will do it but i'm also doing it within the time frame that i am comfortable with but that is giving other people their power to be able to decide if that's good enough Right, or if they need to go somewhere else and get what they need. Exactly, exactly. So um, I don't over-explain to my sponsees when I have to cancel a call. Yes, I'm very good at that, surprisingly. And I think it's because sponsees are such a big part of the recovery program, right? Our sponsee, our sole focus with them is coda recovery right and i have to lead by example so i'm showing them it's okay to be able to say no it's easier because i think because they are also in the program so they are expecting us to be healthy right and part of being healthy is saying no so how many times like and i think about i'm just thinking about this so if i say no to you if i like, if I, somebody says no to you, how often do you go back and say why? 
Very if, rarely. Right? If I say no, I can't. You're not, like, are you going to come back and say why? No. Like, if I really, really, really need something, I might come back and be like, are you sure there's no way this is super important? Exactly. But you're not going to ask me why, why I can't. Exactly. And, and frankly... For anybody listening to this, if someone calls in sick to work and just says, hey, I'm, I'm calling in sick, I'm not going to say why, because I don't want to hear about your diarrhea. Exactly. I, I don't know of anybody that asks why. Mm-mm. I do. I used to. One of the things we used, I used to always think I had to do was ask for vacation time and then give a reason why I was taking vacation time. Yeah, I just put in for PTO. Exactly. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't I, there's no ask. Like, I know what days are important. Exactly. And I can just let them know when I'm not going to be there as long as I'm doing it within reason. And usually, most bosses who are decent bosses, they don't care why. Right. It took my, so I, this is something that I had, have struggled with. And we, you know, we've talked about my, my manager. Um, and she is a little, there's certain things she's a little uh, about. In my group, I have to submit every, like at the end of the year, we have to give her a, um, all the days we took off. We have to show her if they've been put into the system because then she matches them to what she documented. My group's, my, my two people and her are the only ones that, we're the only ones that do this. So I was actually sharing this with somebody the other day. We were talking about it because they were, I don't know how we got on the subject, but we were talking about vacation and they're like, they couldn't believe it. But anyways, so one of the things that I have gotten better about is she was always very much, you have to ask for vacation and then you have to in turn have a game plan planned out and have it in writing what you're going to do while you're off not what you're doing on your vacation but like so I'm taking I'm getting ready to take three weeks off of vacation so I would have to spell out exactly what is on the calendar that I would be doing and that I have discussed it with my coworker, and she is comfortable with covering okay why don't seems a bit extreme I don't do that anymore I don't even ask, right? I don't even ask for PTO anymore. I we have a PTO calendar. I put it in there. You don't like it? That's not my problem. Because PTO is a benefit. I know. I'm taking the first three weeks of August. I know we don't close the books um, for Jan for July close. It's a soft close for us because we just closed the quarter. All my work is going to be done by the time I leave on the 29th of July, when I you know I log off for the day. And if it's not I'll, I'll log on on Saturday and finish it up and make sure all my deliverables, right? I'm doing what I have to do. But I don't need to ask. I'm not. Because I've been doing my job long enough and, I, and my quality of work and my reliability behind work should be good, good enough. I haven't taken hardly any vacation time this entire year because I want to go see my kid in Texas. I want to be there a long period of time. So I don't take time off. Everybody else will take off. Let me take off three days in January. Let me take two days off in February. Let me take a day off in... Yeah, no. Right? I, no, I'm not doing all that crap. 
Me neither. Save it all up. Take a week at a time. Take I usually take a week twice a year. Right. Um, I've been with my company for almost 13 years. I have a decent amount of vacation time. So I can take one Z, two Z days, plus take three weeks off, plus take Thanksgiving off, plus take two weeks at Christmas off and have enough vacation time. You've earned it. I've earned it. But I don't have to explain and I don't have to overcompensate because I am having feelings of not being good enough and needing to justify what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Nobody else, do, nobody else does that with me. Why would I do that with anybody else? Not saying it's tit for tat, right? It's just I need to respect the fact that my PTO time is my PTO time. I have earned it. It's just like my health care. It's just like my um, prescription plan. It's just like my vision plan. It's just like my 401k. It's just like... What other evidence? Anything else? Yes. Anything. Retirement. It is part of my compensation. Right. So let me ask, let's say we're in the middle of a conversation with someone and we catch ourselves over explaining and justifying. I just would just stop. 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 So you mean I could just be like, oh, wait, never mind. No, I can't do that. Yeah. Right? We would do it in any other aspect, wouldn't we? Well, you mean I could just stop and change my mind right on the spot? Well, of course. I can do that in any other... Wouldn't people... Well, wouldn't people look at me funny? Maybe. But does it matter? I think that if I were to be in the middle of over-explaining or justifying, or just even regularly explaining, it doesn't even have to be over-explaining, because isn't any explanation an over explanation sometimes i agree i agree with that i do agree with that what you just said yes yeah so anytime i catch myself and i stop and i say you know i actually don't mean all of that i just mean no as hard as that is to do because it is very difficult to do especially in the moment i have done it several times and not quite on that topic but on others where you out loud correct yourself and go back on what you were just saying it is not easy to do however I think that when I do that I feel this sense of integrity and this sense of self uh, support that's the wrong word but it's like self defense like like I'm like I am standing up for what I truly want and I'm defending myself, even though there's nothing to defend against except for me. I don't know if I'm explaining it right. I don't know. I just feel this sense of, oh, I got me. I know what you're trying. I'm trying to think what I, there's a word I know. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's like, it's like, like when I don't do that, I feel like it's almost self-abandonment. Right. Right, You're letting yourself down. You're letting yourself down. Right. I I'm, I'm, like Cameron, when she was washing Jeb's car, she, the next day she felt so upset. But she wasn't, I mean, she was angry at him, but really she was angry at herself. She abandoned she herself. She abandoned, right. she abandoned herself. That's it. That's what the word. Right. She abandoned herself. And when we stop and we go, no, this is not okay. I am going to stand up for myself 
and I am going to support myself and I am going to not do this because I don't want to because it doesn't feel right. There is this overwhelming sense of, God, the word is just out of my head, but it's just this overwhelming sense of I got me. Uh I can trust me. One of the things that I have when I'm in a conversation and I realize, I get, you know, I'll be like, oh, wait, you're over explaining. Because, you know, once you once you get so far in and like I said, from now, I'm at a point where I can get a few words in and I like I still do it. But at least I catch myself a little bit early on. I'll actually say and this is a way that's kind of taught me to look at it differently. So I'll be like, I'll be, you know, no, I, I'm, I can't. I've got to go. Oh, never mind. You don't need to know all that. Yes, because it's a for me, it's very much and I think, you know, our words are very powerful. And when we say them out loud in our brain to ourselves, like, right. So it's my way of of literally checking myself. Wait a minute. No, Dawn, no, don't do that. That person doesn't need to know that. And you and of course, I'll make it like, never mind, you don't need to know that make it kind of like very light. And the person will chuckle. And then it's over. It's done. And I keep it moving. Because it really kind of checks me, because that's really what it's about. I need to check me. I have to find a way to check me and do it in a loving way. And it's, and it, that's a factual statement. The person doesn't need to know that. And as you sit here and tell this story, I actually have done that before. And the reason I remember it is because the person looked at me and was like, no, no, what were you going to say? And I was like, oh, nothing. I was just going to explain to you why I couldn't do it. But it doesn't matter. I just can't do it. Right? And then they just dropped it and you kept on moving. Yeah. It literally, like, I, that. it is freeing. I don't, I, freeing isn't the right word, but I, it, it empowering. is. Empowering. Like, it's, em- on- it's empowering. It is empowering. It is very empowering. So one of these, um, I was pulled up an article looking at this and just, you know, kind of, you know, like we do, get give ourselves some little pointers and just, you know, things that thought, food for thought. And there's an, in this article, it's in well and good. And it says, if the person felt they were abandoned in some way, they learn to please others so they others won't leave them. Sometimes they've been polarized by the fight, flight, and freeze responses that over-explaining behaviors develop unconsciously during childhood and this is what he person classifies it at it's as fawning and fawning behaviors can develop as a result of being told to hide your emotions as a child after hiding emotions for so long they become can become tricky to process if a person has has difficult identifying their feelings and they're not in touch with their feelings because they have been taught to depersonalize emotions Eventually, they can develop fawning or over-explaining behaviors. If the person feels that they were brought up in a home where they were not allowed to be a leader and they never took that leadership role, they identify in a way that they become a follower and pleaser. I don't like that last sentence. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I'm just reading the article. So... What I was going to say before you read the last sentence is I truly identify with fawning. Um, That has been my go-to adrenaline response, right? So the four adrenaline response are fight, flight, freeze, fawn. 
mm-hmm. and not very many people are aware of the fawn. I did mention this in a previous podcast, and that's why I don't like that last sentence because I definitely did not have the chance to lead in my childhood, and I felt like a leader in a lot of situations, and I had to shut up and sit down. Yeah. However, I've done the opposite. I feel like in my adulthood, and I have gone so far as to refuse to be a follower. But are you a However, pl- but are you a pleaser? Not anymore. <laughs> yes. Because yes, that's, I'm working very hard not to be. That's part of codependency. Right, because that's one of the things it says. They identify in a way that they become a follower and a pleaser. So I am well as a, am a pleaser. And I guess I can see how that could be considered following, right? So what I was going to say, let me just take that part out of it in my head because I will get stuck on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so let me just take that out. We have gone in the garbage. Okay. Um, so what I was going to say is fawning has been my go-to. And I absolutely agree with everything that article said as to why someone begins to over-explain and why someone would then begin to fawn. So what I do and what I have learned as a child into my adulthood, my survival habits have been someone becomes angry and I become adorable. (laughs) I become innocent. I become a pleaser. I become cute i will rub your back i will snuggle i will be cuddly i will go very very subconsciously and very very quickly from i am angry you did me wrong to now you are angry at me and i have to make that right no matter what you did to me right because they you don't that person we don't want that person to abandon you and whether it's a physical abandonment or an emotional abandonment or it doesn't matter it doesn't matter feels the same in my heart yep and so subconsciously like literally before and i have had to do that flip the script in the middle of that and poor nick has been on the other end of that like wait you are pissed off at me a second ago now you're snuggling up to me now you're pissed off at me again i'm very confused poor guy but in processing my recovery and in learning how to unlearn those survival behaviors which are in no part the other person's fault they have a right to feel anger i have a right to feel whatever i feel but my survival habit goes straight to subconsciously how do I make this person happy? And that is fawning. Yes. What can I do to please this person, to make them better? And whether that be right at work, some people you rub their ego a little bit and you give them the compliment on the job they did. Or maybe you live with an alcoholic, so you bring home a six-pack of beer. Or I don't care what it is. I find a way to please them, to make them happy, to improve their mood. That is fawning. Here's what popped into my head. (laughs) You're talking about bringing home a six pack of beer. You're talking about complimenting somebody. I'm thinking sex. I'm thinking, oh, you're mad at me. Oh, you are this being this way to me and I'm and I'm going into my trauma response and I'm going into this place of fear let me make you feel better and so sex being a powerful powerful weapon 
let me pull that card out because I know that's going to work. A lot of women do. Yeah. A lot of men do. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter. Sex is a powerful, powerful thing. It definitely is. And, and again, right, I use that too, right? Part of that innocence, that adorable, that cute sometimes involves sex. Right. Right? It does. Like, there's there's times that I know Nick is pulling away or he's frustrated or he's had a bad day or whatever. And I will absolutely use sex to try to improve his mood. And that doesn't make anybody bad people or anything like that. It's right. It's none of that. None of this does. It's just the the behaviors we're doing to make someone else feel good and not taking ourselves into consideration. Because for me, it would be I wouldn't look at sex and say, Dawn, are you in the mood? Are you tired? Do you want? How do you feel about it? Are you? It good? wouldn't matter how I felt. Exactly. And there's the difference. If I want to do it and I'm in a good place with it and I'm not too tired and I'm not whatever, 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 then it's okay. Right. It's the intention behind it. Exactly. Right? So if my goal is simply that he's had a long day and I feel like making him better and I think sex will help with that and I want to do it. Great. Cool. Right. Knock yourself out. Right. On the other hand, if it is he's had a long day, he's quiet, he's frustrated, I'm afraid of his feelings, I need to make him happy so that I can be happy. The only way I know how to make him happy is to have sex with him. I don't really feel like having sex. I'm tired. I'm overworked. I got to make dinner. I got to do this. Now, well, well, let me go have sex because then it'll be easier to do all of that. That is manipulation. Right. That is fawning. Right. And isn't it over-explaining manipulation? Simplicity yes. of the way to say it, over-explaining is manipulation. Which is control. Yep. Because that's all manipulation is, is trying to control. And at one point, we just said there's really any explanation is an over-explanation a lot of the times. So that kind of leads back to that original quote there that to explain is an attempt to control someone else's response. So how do we go about, we've talked about, you know, we both have said we've done this. And so let's really look at how do we go about changing these behaviors, right? Let's start from a place of very simple changes we can make to start on rewiring our brains when it comes to overexplaining. So for me, the very first place I started was when somebody offered me something. And I, I for me, this was very difficult. So, oh, would you like a sandwich? Oh, no, thank you. I just ate. Mm-hmm. Or, no, thank you. I'm not hungry right now. Or, oh, I don't drink that. I, I have a Mountain Dew. Thank you. Like, always a thank you. Always a reason why. And very rarely would I actually say no unless I was saying no, thank you. So where I started was no, thank you. That's it. Like that is, would you like a drink? No, thank you. Mm -hmm. Would you like some pie? No, thank you. For me, it was all I could do not to say, no, thank you. I have a drink or no, thank you. I'm not hungry to just say no, thank you has been where I'm starting. So Another thing about that, and it just made me pop up, is when has when somebody has given you a compliment, 
let's say, Ashley, I love those shoes. They're so cute. Oh, these old things? They're so last year. Over-explaining. Over-explaining, right? Can it be just thank you? So that's where I started, was starting to just say thank you versus saying any other, like, oh, I like your hair. Oh, thank you. Right. Nothing else is needed. Just a simple thank you or just a simple no thank you. Right. And so it's finding those places where I can, where, where I feel safe. And I think it started with other people in recovery. So it started with, you know, working with an accountability partner, like, you know, working with, excuse me, with you and my other sponsees and other people, I was able to exercise these changes to the way I said things in a safe place. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, I had to do this where I felt safe. I can't just go to someone who, if they ask me for a favor and I explain to them why I can't do it, and then they get angry because I can't do it, I can't go to that person first and be like, no. Right. And then expect myself to be okay with their huge, intense response. Start out safe. Mm -hmm. Start somewhere where you feel safe. For me, saying no thank you when someone offers me a drink is where I feel safe. Who knows what it is for someone else? Just start where I feel safe. And if I do it one time and I forget the next time, hey, I did it the one time. Good job. Now try to do it the next time. Right. Like, okay, I caught it. Now I know. There we go. There's my memory. And if I catch it in the middle of doing it, it's not easy, but that's the best time to change it. Yes, because that's going to cement in my brain. Yes. Because I caught myself and I altered my way of thinking. I altered what was coming out of my mouth. And it's okay. That's one of the things about like texting. I don't text and hit send. Text it, read it, step away, read it again, then hit send if, you, if you're good with it. That's the yeah. beautiful thing about texting and being able to implement those kinds of things where I don't have to respond instantaneously. I can practice stepping away and then coming back and rereading something. I do that all the time because it gives me an opportunity to implement the things I've learned and you know, do it's it funny. different. I do, that at, I do that at work, but oh. I don't do that at home. That's funny. Really? I do. So at work, I'll, I'll type out an email and I... I my big thing is take the emotion out of it. I try to of be course. professional with everything. So I type out the email and then I read it and then I take out what sounds emotional and replace it with non-emotional. And then I walk away and do something else. And then I come back to it when I've had five or 10 or 15 minutes to calm or breathe or focus on something else. And I read it again. And nine times out of 10, I take more stuff out and replace it with even less emotional stuff. Yes, I'm a big saver in my drafts and then coming back to things, especially if it's something that I need to put a lot of thought into. And I want, right, if I'm talking to my coworker, I might do a quick, right, it's going to be a little, like it be like texting. But right. yeah, if I'm doing a more of a professional email that I do need to be, to have the emotion take, right, I'll save it to drafts and do it that way. So you right. struggle in personal communications. Yeah, I mean, for so long, I was raised believing that it is the other person's job to make us happy. It is in a marriage, in a relationship, whether it be kids, friends, significant others, it doesn't matter. 
It is the other person's job is to make me happy. My job is to make them happy. My mom still to this day truly believes that our job is to fix what is broken. Our job is to make other people happy, especially if we love them. We should be making them happy. And so with that knowledge, I still struggle to remember that their happiness is none of my business. Sure, I can be considerate. Yes, I want to be kind and loving, but I do that because that is who I want to be. I don't do that for them. So, and it's still a daily struggle. So really quick story. Um, la- my, my birthday's in January, and my mom always, people, will, you know, obviously Facebook, people say happy birthday, whatever. So my mom would put something, and this is a, this is a true story. This happened. My mom put with you know obviously put something on her first pay or her facebook page saying i want to wish my oldest daughter happy birthday and how you know whatever love her blah blah and so all of her friends and people that she is friends with on facebook will you know oh happy birthday and you know they'll say oh happy birthday you know to your daughter and whatever whatever so my mom called me the day at the end of the day and I was, it was, it was probably five, six o'clock on, um, on my birthday. She says, are you going to put something on um, Facebook to thank everybody for their, for wishing you a happy birthday? I'm like, no. <laughs> well, why? Well, you need to do that. The, you know, and I'm, why do I need to do that? I'm, why would I thank people that you are friends with that I don't even know? Why would I thank them for wishing me happy birthday? I don't know them. Well, it's the, you know, it's the nice thing to do. That would be nice. Well, nice for who? I didn't ask them to wish me happy birthday. I'm not saying that I'm trying to be mean. I'm not saying I'm trying to be rude. But why would I say thank you to people I don't even know for wishing me happy birthday? Because especially, and I was like, especially on Facebook, because the people that love me and really matter picked up the phone and called me. They texted me. Why do I need to say thank you to people I don't know? Well, and she was like, she struggled with this. Well, that's you. Why wouldn't you? It's so nice. That would be the nice thing to do. It was so nice of them to take time to wish you happy birthday. Time? I don't know these people. They were scrolling Facebook and had 30 seconds. I'm out for a walk. I'm not going to stop my walk to get on Facebook to say thank you. I'm not taking the time out of my day when I'm sitting on the couch. Because the, I mean, la- the last time I checked, let's see. It's going to pop up. It's going to give me this auto thing that I just have to hit that says apps, happy birthday and it sends. Right. I mean, I get if I'm sitting on my couch and I'm scrolling through Facebook and I happen upon that post and I see those comments, I will hit thank you. I will. And I get what she's saying. But I am not going to stop my day to make sure I get on Facebook to say thank you. Right. And I don't need to tell, I, right, I'm not saying, right, it's not a polite thing to do, or it's not even about being polite. I'm not saying it's not a kind thing to do. I'm just saying I don't have to do that. No, absolutely not. Because if I feel like I have to do it, then I'm doing it for them, not because I'm truly grateful. Correct. And there goes back to intention. It really is. Everything really is about my intention. It Mm -hmm. is not some about other people's intentions, right? Because the reasons why other people do what they do does not matter to me. Right. Their intention is none of my business. 
However, my intention decides everything. I think that's a great way to end. Say that again. I want to make sure. Their intention means nothing to me. However, my intention decides everything. That's great. That's thank you for repeating that. You're welcome. All right, Ashley. Um, great topic. Yes, it has been another wonderful evening. It has. So, yeah, have a great week. You too. Thank you, everybody. I hope all the listeners have a wonderful week, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys all again next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.